and welcome back to the clock end and also podcast with me steve and joining me as always chippenham's finest calvin good afternoon mate how's it going afternoon stevie uh not too bad thank you not too bad uh made it back in one piece from london which is always a winner and i'm all right for a monday all things considered um again Three points from the Arsenal at the weekend always helps your mood, doesn't it? As we said, walking out the Emirates uh, on Saturday evening. But how are you? All good. All good. I've defrosted now. It was so cold on Saturday. Um, and yeah. Cold, wet, windy. I mean, look, I think one thing's for certain uh, to you and any of the listeners is that if I'm coming over to watch Arsenal, it's apparent that the weather is going to be absolutely fucking horrific, isn't it? Uh, so, I mean, the last game that I was over for uh, before that was, you know, Brighton away, which, you know, if we revert back and remember, it was pretty much the same, just not as cold. No, it was it was on par though. Like walking mm. um, from the pub to the to the ground on Saturday was horrendous. Just Bleak. getting absolutely pissed on, very wet. Um, the coffee was good though. Enjoyed that. Yeah, There's a first show of drinking coffee at the Emirates. Absolutely. And being out there, look, mate, no, you know, I don't want you've got to look after you. I don't want you falling up or downstairs. And, you know, you sent me too many pictures recently of Grace, hands and knees. <laughs> and that's whether that's, you know, drink orientated or not. Um, you know, I've got, got to make sure you, you know, you're all right, you know. Just clumsy, and I? I'm a clumsy yeah, very. character. So you spilled that first coffee all over the floor, if I remember rightly. And I turned around to you and said, you're just one clumsy bastard, didn't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I did actually. I and I wasn't even drunk. Just I just literally went to pick it up and just dropped it. Like <laughs> I, I was literally like, "How the hell have I managed that?" But oh, who, who knows? knows? Who knows? It was all good though. It was good to see you, though. Um, bit of a faff, wasn't it? Like mm. you had like an easier journey than me. I woke up Saturday morning. All my trains from Worcester to London were cancelled, mm. so I had to shoot up to Birmingham and a um, bit of a detour, and then yeah, made it mm. eventually though. I wouldn't like to say my journey was easier than yours. I mean, it was complicated. Um, as I said to you and a few others, I don't, the only mode of transport or public transport that I didn't use uh, on Saturday was a boat. Um, I mean, there, there was everything, you know, cars, tubes, taxis, planes, buses. I mean, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was a faff. To, to eventful, say right? Yeah, eventful. But look, we, we got there and we got home and that's all the matters and we, we saw the Arsenal. Uh, and that's it's what funny, about. right? Because last week I mentioned to you, I said, oh, why don't you get a boat over? And that <laughs> afternoon you sent me that video of that. Was it in the Irish Sea or was it in Germany? I think it was, uh, you know, in that kind of Nordic area, like you know, Holland, Belgium. Some, I'm not actually 100% sure where it was, but fuck me, was that terrifying? Literally. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it's the video of a boat, you know, going somewhere and, you know, it's going through some... Far, you know, rather large waves and then one of them just literally smashes through the front window and just literally some, there was some bloke in the front row he, he took it head on poor chap literally <laughs> he probably thought he was on like the rapids you gotta pay extra for that sort of thing he's like being you'd, old hours. you'd absolutely shit yourself though, wouldn't you Jesus Christ. that is frightening to be fair yeah. Um, but yeah I'm glad you made it over anyway in one piece and it was all it was all pretty good and all's well that ends well and when exactly. we got the result and uh, yeah I guess we can wrap the podcast up there. Yeah, let's call it a day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, so like diving into the game. I think we were probably fairly confident. I know I was going into it and um hmm. you know, I did my overall sort of my overall sort of opinion was we were pretty comfortable. We we, we dominated the game, thoroughly deserved the three points. Um 
So yeah, so that's that's as much an analysis as you're going to get from me. Well, you do, and it? you're quick. It, it was good, yeah, or it was shit. Um, yeah, it was that's, a, that's, that, that's as deep as I like to get. Um, so I hand, I, hand, I hand the mic to you. The floor is yours, my friend. What were your thoughts on the game, the performance? Um, yeah, I think thoughts, feelings, and facts. Thoughts, feelings, and facts. Well, like you, I think I think like all of us going into you know this game at home against Brentford, and you know you take the, this comment with a pinch of salt because I do think there are no bankers in the Premier League uh, in this day and age. But look, you taking a few of the, the factors going into a game like this. Payback's always something which which sticks with us, right? And you know we all saw Lacazette's cheeky tweet after after the game which is you know that's one thing i'll give credit to lacazette as much as he can frustrate us on the pitch i think he's got his uh his social media british humor down to an absolute t at this stage uh in his arsenal but career which is can a I just jump in the fact that he remembered as well like i, I completely forgot about that yeah um, yeah when you're a player very you, funny you very hold funny. on to those grudges a lot more even as a player than what you probably do as a fan um I mean, anyone who's played at any level, you always have those one game, you know, where something went against you. It sticks with you. And when that game comes back around, you guarantee in that team talk, you're talking about it. Like, you just knew that Arteta would have been saying, we, we fucking owe these boys one for that opening game this season. Because, look, if you look at all the things that have happened since then and, you know, how did we not, how were we not allowed to get the game called off? I'm, look, I'm sure we'll come into, you know, officiating and the rules that get applied to Arsenal compared to everybody else at some point. But... Yeah, you know that's part of the team talk. You know, you, you, let's go and stick it to them, and we, we did, right? We the scoreline didn't reflect it necessarily, but we absolutely battered them um, from minute one. And like, even you know, I can we can all take their their goal with you know minimal. There's no issues with it really. I mean, there was that one tiny part after their second goal where it looked like somebody was going to be clean through, and he got flagged right side. at the Whoa. end. Whoa. I mean, we all ben had White a... sort of got done, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. But we all had that collective gasp of shit. Um, but luckily, the flag did go up, and yeah, there's no, there's no VAR discussion there, so it was sigh of relief, and that was that. But yeah, I mean, they posed nothing um, throughout that entire game, to be perfectly honest with you. And as we all know, if we had a little bit more sharpness up up top, uh, we probably could have seen that game off. Or if we were a bit more decisive in certain moments of the game, you know, it could have been three, four, five, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. So, you know, it was, as with all the games at the minute, it was must win, right? And when you look back at the weekend results, you know, yesterday included, um, it's a massive three points, uh, just as big as the Wolves ones were. Um, so, you know, we take them, uh, we move on and, you know, there's another big, big game on the horizon um, on, on Thursday night. So overall, I think, yeah, it was, we were confident going into it and we, we'd saw it through. And even if it was a little bit nervy, you know, because nil-nil at half time against someone like that, you do as much as you don't want to, you know, because you, you can always feel that pressure building in the stadium. Um, you can you can hear the groans, the frustration grows throughout if you're, you know, you're still nil-nil with with a team which is much lower than you uh, in, the, in the table. Um, but look, it, it all came, it all came to fruition in the end. So happy days. Happy days. No, it was a good performance, wasn't it? I think, like you said, I think on another day you win that 3-4-0 quite comfortably. Um, you know, we, we pretty much sat in their half for most of the game. Um, you know, even even at half time, you know, we, we, we were having our second coffees. We were like, uh, you know, how are we not ahead of this game? There's always that concern, isn't there? Going into the half at 0-0, obviously Brentford would probably, 
you know, go, yeah, to that as a massive positive, thinking, you know, nil-nil, you know, try and get to the hour mark. And obviously Smith Rowe delivered a piece of magic and, um, you know, it completely changed the complexity of the game. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, listen, you know, I think I mentioned that every, every podcast, you know, that missing piece of the puzzle, you know, that, that centre-forward piece. Um, you know, if, if you've got a proper striker in there, I think, I think you know, you're going to win that comfortably. I thought Lacazette didn't have the best of games, to be honest. And I think he was, it did feel like he was the weakest link, um, especially in that first half. We were getting in the positions, but we just, it always fell, fell a bit short. Um, I wanted to sort of touch upon something we spoke about as well after the game, like, appreciate we won the game and you don't really tend to sort of analyse the, the decisions that went against you. But I did think the, the offside, was very minimal, um, and I, and I and I think I don't know if you've watched the highlights, but the, the penalty shouts. I mean, the, yeah, there's a good case there. There's a very good pace. Not so much with the handball. It's a bit of a dodgy one, but the foul. That's a foul, right? Yeah. Isn't, so if that if that's anywhere else on the pitch, you get you give that. So I I I was a little bit surprised. Um, I did, and and I think you know you could tell by the mood in the ground that. I mean, you certainly felt it like that the referee was against us. Like he wasn't really giving us anything. You know, Saka like every week, though, don't we? Hit. At this point, yeah, it was frustrating because Saka was going down that lot, and um, mm. you know, you, you get to the point where you're like, "Come on, like, you know, give it, give us something, right?" Yeah, no, we. This is the. I mean, it is a bit of a problem, um, as we've known for you know the the vast majority of the season. I think it's it's. It's so frustrating because even, you know, as a fan, you don't, and I've said it before, you know, referees are starting to you know, ruin the the experience for Arsenal fans, not just Arsenal fans. I'm sure there's many other fans that probably feel just as aggrieved as we do. Um, but obviously, look, we pay attention to, to the Arsenal. Um, so that's that's what we notice more, more frequently. But, you know, going back to the decisions, I think, what, there were four penalty shouts on the day, right? Um two of which should have been penalties in the grand scheme of things. The handball you said wasn't. I mean, when you look at the the penalty that was given for, for Man City, um, you know, Saturday evening, very, very similar. Um, so that could be given. Again, we, we're talking about consistency of officiating, right? And look, when you're dealing with, you know, human error, you're never going to get, you know, 100% consistency. So you have to kind of take it with a pinch, but it just always seems to be us, right? Um, the other two were in quick succession. It was um, Ben White and uh, Alex Lacazette. They were the they were the ones for me where I was like, do you know what? I mean, Lacazette's got in. I mean, I even said it to you in the game, didn't I? I think Lacazette's so so hell bent. No, not leggy, but he's so hell bent on the physical side of his game these days. Um, because that's look, we know he's not scoring goals. So he knows that. We know that. And he he knows that, you know, in England, if you get stuck in and put your weight about, you, you kind of get away with it a little bit more. Um and that's one thing I would say he's he's doing well is he is getting stuck in and yeah. You can't knock his work rate. Exactly. Even though after 60 minutes it does go off a bit of a cliff as we as we always say. But did you the, not know though he he's our Frenchman, he's our number nine and scoring goals is what he does best. Apparently, apparently. I, I mean, look, I don't know where, when, where, where this came from, but uh, from penalties, he's not bad of it. But um, the, the the penalty, the shout which got me the most was the Pepe one. To be honest with you, when you look back at that, I mean, it's it's clear as day. To be perfectly honest with you, and again, how how they're not being checked as thoroughly as other ones are, uh, it's it's really frustrating. Uh, and then back to the offside one. I mean, at the time, we were pretty much banging line with that. 
you know, the Lacazette disallowed goal. And, you know, I saw a few screenshots going around of that in the evening of just the pass going over. And it wasn't obviously Lacazette that was offside. I think it was Granit Xhaka that was given offside for marginal toe, um, which, you know, we, that's been an issue in football for far too long already. I think gone are the days where it used to be, you have to be clear and obvious um, to be given offside. When now it just seems to be, you know, if you your fucking elbows offside or whatever you're going to be given off. But as frustrating as it is, I can kind of see why that one was given in the letter of the law. And luckily, you know, like like we've already touched on, it's when you win, it doesn't hurt as much. Um, but Christ, could our lives be made a lot easier by referees um, if they decided to give Arsenal some some decisions? Um, yeah. We just always, when it's 50-50, it's going against us. It always goes either way. Like, it's crazy. Like, you look at, you know, back in the day, uh, even now, like, you know, the bigger teams like City, the Liverpools, when they're at home, they get everything. Whereas it just, just doesn't happen for Arsenal. I, I don't know. I know we've all kind of said it's there's a conspiracy. I think all fans probably say the same. I think if you had this, a conversation with a Man City fan or a Chelsea fan, a Crystal Palace mm. fan, you know, take your pick. Yeah. I think they would all have the same argument in terms of um, the poor officiating. And it's a shame, actually, because, you know, listeners will probably know yeah, better than anyone how, how often we have this conversation but it's it's very relevant um and it's it's disappointing that you know we're coming off a really good result and we're having to sort of talk about poor decisions again um you know and especially when we've got you know the, the VAR you know we've got systems in place that to help support the referees and um but yeah I, I don't want to do too much you know we won the game but I think it's just an interesting conversation piece especially you know after a game where you win because sometimes mm. you don't sort of look back, but it's also, it's worth sort of talking about a little bit. Um, but all in all... Sorry, mate, just on. to I was just saying though, but it's it's hard not to bring it up because it does seem to be happening incredibly free. I mean, when was the last time we played a game where referees didn't have, you know, there's not some controversy surrounding the officiating within yeah. an Arsenal game. Um, and that's, that's what ultimately frustrates us. And that's why, unfortunately, we talk about it. We're here to talk about... Arsenal in the match, and unfortunately, the, these situations just keep arising, um, which is is frustrating. But when you lose, very different, right? Um, Maybe we should start our own like refereeing podcast, and we can like analyze um, week to week decisions from. Fuck from me, you'd, be, you'd need a three hour slot, I think. Every three hour every slot, no, honestly. Um, getting back to the game, though, I thought you know uh, we we spoke about it at the time. Just before we got the second goal, Brentford were coming back into it. There was a few little, little moments. Bit, yeah. They weren't necessarily knocking, but they were they were having to go. And, you know, we, we, we had to ride out. And the goal came at the right time. It's funny, actually, because I, I said to you tonight, moments, moments before Saka's goal, I said, why have we moved Pepe yeah. to the right? Yeah. You know, Saka's strongest position is down the right. Mm. Why is he moving for Pepe? The second yeah. What do we know, and I said, yeah, I said, what do I know? This is why Mikel Arteta is in charge and I'm not. It was it was a lovely finish and really nice, really nice ball, great bit of play. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was game over. Was was the Odegaard one before that? It was, wasn't it? When That's he get when his shot was parried. I think it was weak. just Pepe was on the left. Um, at, you know, at the time, because where we were sat or stood, whatever, I couldn't really I thought he squared it. I didn't realize mm. he'd actually shot because it's such mm. a poor shot. Um, it was he should have squared yeah, it. Should have squared it. Should have squared it. Um, I thought. I thought other than that, though, um, if, if we want to talk about performance, I thought Odegaard was very good. Mm. Um, I just think shooting is is probably the only thing you could sort of hold against him. I thought Saka had a very good game. I thought um, Emil Smith Rowe had a good game. 
Um, I just think like, and we, I think, you know, and we've, we've talked about it a lot this season. I think like in terms of creating goals, um, we've definitely sort of, we're definitely getting there in terms of, you know, um, putting the pressure on. I think before we always sort of, even with the bamming of the team, we, we, we were just not, yeah, that final third, we had no ideas. I feel like it's, we're definitely moving in the right direction, but I just feel like we're, we're so obsessed with almost like going down the wing too much. And I feel like when we drive in, into the middle and we get someone who's going to, you know, kind of run at a defender and, and, and pull someone out of position, we, we look so much more dangerous. I, I really feel like we need to sort of really kind of focus on, on that area as opposed to always being, you know, we're so, it's almost like second nature that we get the ball and it's like, well, yeah, we'll give it to Smith Rowe down the left or give it to Saka down the right. Whereas I feel like when we cut inside, I mean, like maybe, maybe because Lacazette isn't the most nimble and he hasn't got the pace and the speed about him. Do you know what I mean? I do oh, feel like mean, it's, yeah. it's quite one-dimensional at times. And when we do take the opportunities to sort of cut him you know, down, down the middle, we look a lot more dangerous. No, we do. Uh, you were, yeah, you were consistently saying that throughout the the game is going through the middle. And when you look at the, you know, the first goal, um, it's Smith Rowe deciding to drive in instead of you know waiting yeah. for the overlap pass. Um, he decides. See, what do I know? Exactly. Well, you know some stuff. I mean, we look, we know some stuff, and we don't know some stuff, right? But um, you know, he took the initiative to cut in. You know, and a wonderful finish into the bottom corner. I did think the keeper should have saved it. If I'm perfectly honest, it wasn't the hardest struck shot. I know his vision was blocked a little bit, but for a keeper that's got a pretty good reputation, um, not just this season, but last season in particular. And obviously we were linked with him at one stage, weren't we? So, I mean, look, you know, you obviously you don't really care, um, you know, when in the back of the net. So, you, you know, you're happy days. But I think you're right. It's, it's that, I mean, as much as I think, you know, going through the middle or going through the outside, it's just a case of finding the balance of, you know, you know, when you get experience, you'll know when to do the right thing. Um, and I don't think we should, you know, it should be a bit of 50, 50 or whatever, whatever the game in front of you, you know, presents itself. Um, Cause there are moments, you know, if Xhaka was, you know, half a centimeter back that little pass and then the cut across goal, you know, it would have been a, a nice goal. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we'd be talking about how that was, you know, a good team goal. And, you know, we, we, we did, you know, we went wide, Um, but it's, it's what, you know, the mayhem that ensues once players like Emil Smith-Rowe, fantastic ball carriers, so is Saka, and they start to cut in and dribble in. That's when you pull players out of position. Mm. Uh, and that's when you open up the spaces where sometimes when you're doing the same thing repetitively, which we were doing quite a bit in, in the opening exchanges of that game, because we did go after them a lot. But, you know, going back to what you said about, you know, Lacazette's lack of pace and you know everything else, it's... But one thing he definitely doesn't possess is aerial ability. Um, and we, we don't, we're not really that team, unless it's from a, a set piece where you can bring up the big boys, you know, up boys. top, the big boys. The big boys. We don't, we're not that team. No, we're not. We don't have, you know, long gone are the days of his Olivier Giroud in, in, the, in the box. Um, sometimes I wish we could bring him on every now and again, to be honest, because I think he'd actually do quite well in this team. But it's very rare that we're going to put in a cross and finish with a header. You just don't really see it, Arsenal. And you've got, you know, if you're looking at the front three, and it's Saka, Lacazette, and Smith Rowe who are going to arrive. And even you could throw in who who else can arrive in the box? Odegaard. He's not that guy either, really. Right. So it, you know, we said it as well. It was a case of you know we're crossing a lot here, which was something which became quite apparent under Arteta even in his early days we love swinging in the crosses uh, and we didn't really know why um so yeah I, I agree with you it's a case of mixing it up uh, yeah just recognizing I think, you made, I think you made a really good point on Saturday though that like 
like Tierney's not been the player he has been. Like you no. know, he, as I, compared to last season, he's really dropped off, and a lot of goals did come from the left. Mm. And you know, he played a big part in some of the goals. I do. I, I feel like we get in the positions. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I get. I to a degree, I understand what 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 we what we do, and we go out, we use the flanks, but it's almost so predictable. And if you sort of you know averaged it up, how how many um, the opportunities that we, we we managed to put in the net, it's not a great amount. And I think it's quite easy if you've got a few against the defence are well organised, you know, and they're well drilled. It's 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 quite straightforward. Whereas like you like you said, and like um you know we talked about, you know if you if you go if you cut them through the middle. You're pulling players out of position. It it's that chaos factor, right? You, I mean, that's when that's when you're at your best and your most dangerous. Um, it was quite good actually because where we were sat as well uh, in the corner of the clock end, you get such a fantastic view of the pitch and um, like it, it's it's so different to like even being at home because even when you watch at home, you you only see a fraction of the game, and when you're in the lower tiers at the Emirates, you can only really see what's right in front of you. Once the ball sort of heads down the end, it's it's not as clear. Um, so I, I do really enjoy that. I know the atmosphere isn't as good, but it, I find it quite fascinating. You know, when you watch the kind of passages of play, and got the full, you, like you said, you've got the full picture instead of on TV yeah. where you've got a, you know a, a third of the pitch in sight. When you've got the full pitch there, and you can see, you can just see the play unfolding right in front of your eyes. Um, yeah, it, it's always nice to see. It can be equally frustrating, however, because you can see the passes which maybe the players can't. Um, so you might be inclined to get a little bit more frustrated when the pass doesn't go the way you can see it should. Um, yeah. But, you know, even on that, there were a few, you know, we touched on it already, but there was a couple of times, I think Odegaard, Lacazette, in that first half in particular, had fantastic chances to to either shoot at the right opportunity or make the pass. I think Lacazette had one where he could have slipped in Emil Smith-Rowe on the left, and then there was one yeah. where Odegaard probably should have shot and tried to, you know, lay one into to Saka and the pass wasn't quite quite accurate enough. Um, and it's those little, you know, you you know, you you change that, and it like like we said, it, it comes with experience. And I know Lacazette should know better. Um, you know, thirty years old, been playing the elite level for you know for a long long time. But you know, with Odegaard, he he just gets a free pass on Saturday for me because I mean, look, he, he was he was gliding around. He was phenomenal. I thought his touches. Um, you know, obviously there was the fake pass thing that he did, which was just magic. To be perfectly honest, and then look, you know, we know M products going to his ne- his next thing that he needs to he needs to develop. Hopefully, that comes with time. I mean, we know he can shoot from a dead ball scenario, um, but again, I just think you know let, let's work on that and training. Yeah, and I let's think hopefully he can take it to the next level. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's probably why um, Arteta probably moved Saka to the left in the second half because I think there was about three or four occasions where he he was open. And, and the ball just didn't come. The ball wasn't good enough. And you, know, you always felt like one of these is bound to go through. You know, it finally did when he was on the left-hand side and, and it completely opened them up. Brentford playing a really high line at 1-0. Um, and yeah, I guess sometimes all you need to do is make that change, move it around, move them into, into a fresh position and... Mix it up, yeah. Um, yeah, mix it up a little bit. Um, they, they managed to score a late goal. Anything anything like that? A bit, a bit annoying to concede, but... It, it annoying, was, yeah, the cause... game was pretty much over, right? Apart from that little run at the end where we were like, oh, oh. Yeah, no, oh. yeah, that was, I mean, it was pretty much done at that point. Um, and look, I think once they did give that that offside for, for the chap that was running through, I think he blew up pretty much there and then, didn't he? But I mean, yeah, it was a blot, wasn't it? I mean, you love a clean sheet because I think, you know, it's, you know, Ramsdale's third in the clean sheet charts. So, I mean, 
I mean, just on this as well, because you think clean sheets, obviously we are much more defensively solid than we've been for a long, long time. As much as we're frustrating up top, I do think at the back we are far superior to what we have been for a number of years. Um, you know, we've had some clowns playing at the back, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and it's nice to see we've got a solid partnership for the first time in a while. We have. Um, and maybe, maybe look, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be hard on Tierney. Look, I, I do think he's not quite at the level he was. But it's maybe that's part of the, the instruction, right? Maybe he's being told not to to carry because if he, I could, if you look at it, right? Who who was bombing on more often than not out of the two of them? It was Cedric mm. down the right. Um, who, by the way, I thought had another relatively decent game. I was going to um, say, I thought Cedric was was pretty good, um, um, and you know he's almost justified staying, you know, uh, to the end of the season based on the pretty, last two performances. I think he's been pretty solid. Look, you want solid enough backup, right? You're not going to get phenomenal backup at, you know, right back, left back, in my opinion. Um, and look, Nuno Tavares hasn't played a tap recently. Um, and you look how good he was at the start of the season, but none of us are moaning the fact he's not playing. Um, and look, I, I think we'll be, it'll be interesting to see what that balance looks like when Tommy Arsu comes back. Because look, the, the unique thing about both our, our right and left backs are they can play. In, in a you know in a back three because look formations aren't you know as structured as they once were they're fluid throughout the game and you know Tierney plays in a back three for Scotland um, and, and he's done it for us and I think it's a case of Tommy Arsu's so good but he's not as good as Tierney going forward so I'd be interested to see if if, if Tierney is less off the leash a little bit once he comes yeah back. he's he's more yeah I'd say he's more of a defensive fullback. Because, yeah, look at um, look at the two the two you know right and left backs we had there the other day. Who would you want if you had to slot someone into a back three scenario? It's not going to be Cedric, right? No, no, yeah, I get that. Um, I think I mean we're in a good position defensively. Um, I, I would definitely second what you're saying. You know, we've got a good back five. Um, they're all very young. They're very together. There's a real, there's a real sort of togetherness. Um, and it's, 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 yeah, it's been a long time coming. I felt like, like you said, we've had a lot of clowns. I, 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 I don't want to criticise him. Ben White did worry me. Not, 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 maybe not worry is the word, but a few of his rash sort of mistimed tackles. Yeah, and he was, he, like, there was a few times he got well beaten and just had his pants pulled down on Saturday. Um, maybe it's just experience, right? Because he's still very young. Um, yeah. Against a better opposition, you know, you can't be doing that. He got he got pulled out of position. Um, and yeah, but it's a little bit of rash decision making, you know, yeah. it's a bit oh, too overcommitted um into the challenge where again, I think with experience and over time he'll start to recognize that and be like, Okay, maybe I'll just sit off here, be a bit more aware of what's around Thankfully, you. Thankfully, because he's such a handsome bastard, he is we'll let it slide. Yeah. Um it's it's also really good to have a solid sort of defensive unit, uh, defense unit. Uh, defensive midfield unit in Partey and Xhaka mm. as much as I've bashed Xhaka and you know as a fan base we, we always talk about mm. sort of moving that on and calling it a day it, it's, 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 it's the best it's the best sort of partnership we've got in, in that area and um, I thought they were pretty solid they are they are a good partnership and we've seen it no we've, we've seen it haven't we a few times and when they don't play together we struggle um, and that says a lot um, I mean look Xhaka's a lot better with Thomas party next to him than anybody else that we've seen over the years. But that, you know, I think you could say that to a lot of players. If you put, you know, if you put a solid, you know, centre mid box to box like Thomas party next to you, 
it'll make your game look better as well because he takes a lot of the you know the responsibility off your shoulders. But like you know, it's a funny one with Xhaka. I mean, I'll ask you the question right now, for example. Um, I mean, would you be happy if he stayed for next season? Mm, I don't know. It's it's he's one of those players who you get you know incredibly frustrated with him, but then he sort of falls on the right track and you start to almost mm. okay. He lures you in, doesn't working. he? Lures you yeah, in. Yeah, he lures you in, right? Yeah. It's working. It's like oh, this, is, oh, this is all right, actually. It's taking the long and then boom. Yeah. He isn't stupid. Yeah. He's like in the Simpsons. Full granite jacket, doesn't he? And fucking... It's like in the Simpsons when they're they're all watching Homer and he's like, he's about to do something stupid. And yeah. it's just and like, you, like you don't know when it's gonna be, but it's it's mm. it's it's an inevitability. Um mm. to be honest, I, I think it's time maybe to see someone else. I'd like to see yeah. um a scar and, and and buy someone um to, to to a good level, someone with experience. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think you're right. And um, Samuel Conga. That's um, yeah. This as is promising as he is, still very young. Mm. I think I'd like to see someone. Yeah, I, I agree with you because even when I asked you the question, you know, my immediate thought was, look, we're get, you know we're going to buy somebody in the summer. I think that's that's going to happen. Surely. You've also got Samuel Conga who you want to develop, and I think if you keep Xhaka and buy you know buy another top center center midfielder. Then that really would scupper the development of Sambi Lukonga, for example. Um, and I think, look, we we got him on a contract, and this is hopefully a smart thing that we've done. I think we kind of spoke about this, you know, how we, you know, a group of us were talking about it before the game, and how we're probably one of the worst selling clubs in England, uh, along with probably Man United, to be honest with you. But you know, we got him up to you know on a new contract. That means his sell-on value this summer should be pretty decent. So I think if you can go and get twenty mil for Granite Jacker, twenty-five mil. Which in in the modern market you should be able to, uh, to be perfectly I honest. I think so. Premier um, League. Then you Swiss then that's when we get smart, right? And you know, I've always I always refer to the you know Liverpool. We again we were talking about some of the sales that Liverpool have made over the years. Jordan Ibe came up, for example. Um, you know, so, and then the one that always stands out for me is, you know, the Philip Coutinho sale. And you would have asked any Liverpool fan at the time how they felt about that when it was going through. They weren't happy. Um, he was phenomenal for them at that point in time. Um, but it's what you go and do with the money afterwards. Um, and, you know, that brought them, Virgil van Dijk uh, and Alisson. And yeah. I think, you know, if you ask any Liverpool fan now, well, how did that work out? They'll all say, Literally. yeah, pretty fucking well, to be honest with you. Um, you sometimes you have to speculate to accumulate, right? Mm. I mean, I, I don't think in terms of like buying and selling, I think what has made it worse is we have bought really badly. You know, so you, you know you can sort of look past the selling if you're buying well. But we were spending money on like, like some Mustafi, yeah, and Jacker and giving big deals up to Urzel. So I, I think there was like various elements of frustration that, mm. you know, as a collective, you you get quite frustrated about if you look at the, the bigger picture. Mm, I think one of the things you just touched on there as well is giving out these contracts, right? For me, I think one of the things we're starting to learn is. And it, it, we've we've done the opposite. Is we or what we have done is uh, we need to stop giving contracts for what you've done, and start giving contracts for what you can do. And if you mm. look at the Ozil situation, we gave him a contract, you know, because of what he'd done um, in previous years, which wasn't massive. Or Bamiang, the exact same. It was a case of you know you single not single handedly but pretty much single handedly won a CFA Cup. So here's a walk yeah. on hat for you. It, it, we're not I just don't think we're going to be doing that as a club anymore and we are going for that youth and I don't mind signing a player who's 24 on 
250 grand if he's his potential there is absolutely phenomenal um and we can all see it right because let's be honest if you know Saka's contract's coming out right if we went out and handed him a 200 grand contract right now none of us would bat an eyelid because it's what you what the potential of what he can do for us it's not what he's done necessarily he's done great things obviously but it's a very different conversation because it's he's younger um he's hungry obviously we want to keep him out of the clutches of every top club in Europe as I well I hope he never ever leaves me too um, but we've thought that about many players over the years mate and uh yeah you just uh, that's football isn't it but yeah I think you know uh, we spoke about this quite a lot and it's you know Saka can commit to another four-year contract with Arsenal no problem absolutely no problem at all it's of no risk to his career you know even if he signs a four-year contract now he's what 20 maybe 24 he's still yet to be in his peak I think he owes the club, especially the fact that we gave him like the number seven. I mean, we've given Smith Rowe the number 10. I think that's a massive statement of intent when you're mm. giving these young players, you know, we're giving you these, these are, you know, um, this is, you know, this is just, I mean, yeah, especially like the number 10, right? You know, Arsenal yeah. Football Club was massive. So, yeah, you look at um, who it comes with and, you know, the, yeah. some of the other fantastic players that have worn it over the years. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's mean, a similar it, any club, though, isn't it, number 10? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I think so. Um, I think like Arsenal have have specific numbers, like for example, number 14 is a biggie. Yeah, um, I would like to see Gabby take that, or if we go out and we spend big on a striker, um, personally, I wouldn't want Gabby to take it, I want him to take the number nine from Lacazette if possible, unless we go and buy a really good number nine. Yeah, if we go and get like a you know, marquee signing, Mm. um, it would be good. So, moving on. One good, one bad. Got anything for the week? Yeah, easy ones oh, this yeah, week. Yeah, the Arsenal winning is my one good. Well, look, are you going to go for the kebab? I was thinking the kebab because that you was know what? I mean, look, I've got a few. Yeah, I've got a few goods from from this this week. Obviously, um, you know, look, being able to get over for the game is good. God, you know, obviously quite worried about being able to make it. Um, so. You know, the trip in general was was great, wasn't it? It was great to come over and see you guys. Great to go and watch the Arsenal. Uh, great to see three points. Great to see some goals as well, because we saw none of that last time. Um, but also, you know, the, the pre-match was was nice, wasn't it? It was great to to meet a few of the other lads. Um, you know, we were in a really cool cool pub. What, what was that pub called? The um, Bank of Friendship. Bank of Friendship, yeah. Just so it was down nice. the road good from vibes. library. Yeah, really, it was really, really nice. Good. I really good. I really, like, I really liked it. Yeah, so it's great to meet some of the other guys on, on the old Insta scene, uh, which was great. And then, look, you know, I can't not, you know, when you go to the match, and you, for me, it's a bit different because I don't go as often as yourself. Um, so, you know, when you do make that commitment and, you know, you commit to, the, you know, the monetary side of it and the travel over, you know, it's always extra satisfying when you see a couple of cracking goals and three points in the bag. So, yeah, that that would be my one, my couple good, should we say. Yeah, no, I can get on board with that. Um... Yeah, let me have it this week, will you? Let you have that. My yeah, my one good, I'd say, is just oh, kind of you coming over on Saturday. That was really great. And oh, uh, yeah, geez, the, so, the social side and yeah, that was good, mate. It, it was, was really... a good day. Yeah, that kebab also. Yeah, I mean that that was a fucking oh Jesus. You, you know, I mean, look for for anyone who knows or has listened before. One thing that frustrates me about Ireland, there's many things to be honest with you, um, but the, the severe lack of decent kebabs, um, and I actually haven't had a good one for what feels like an eternity, and. Well, I filled that void um, after the match, um, and it was great. It was very good. To yeah, be it fair, was. it really was. Um, I'm yeah. Next time I'm down, which I don't know when it will be because of our shit um, 
fixture pilot. Yeah. That's my what that'll be my one bad actually. Our horrendous fixture list. We've got we've got what like Leicester, Villa, and Liverpool in the space of a week. Too many, too many midweek home games, which just make it really, really annoying. To, it's not necessarily just getting, getting down. It's just getting home. Yeah, right. Getting over, getting home. I mean, that was one thing we were kind of talking about, wasn't it? Just speaking of, you know, getting in and getting home. It's obviously the ground filled up quite swiftly in the last five minutes before kickoff, didn't it? And we were sat there going, oh, is it going to be quite empty today? And we were thinking, well, maybe because of the weather. A lot of people, you know, you, you even said it to me in the morning, right? Because, you know, obviously we're in contact quite early to find out what the story was and you were like if you weren't coming over i'd have probably been this off to be honest with you i'm sure look a lot of people probably did the same but it was you know i, I was you know that's another good we can probably throw in is you know how how busy the emirates actually was and the atmosphere was cracking as well yeah it was good um yeah what, what, what about your one bad for the week right this is going off piste a little bit um i'd love to know if you you experience this right but it's cooking related, not football. Are you ready for this? Yeah, you look, go on. A, bit, you, you look a bit panicked and a bit, bit worried. I mean, do you do much cooking actually in your house, Steve? Yeah, yeah, you, you, I do right. actually. Right. I'm Good 30 right. now, mate. I'm an adult. I have to cook. Oh, Jesus. I was, I, when you were in bed yesterday morning, because you can't handle a bit of sleep, um, jet lag, mm. major um, jet lag traveling to Ireland. <laughs> I was out that I was down the supermarket at 10 o'clock yesterday morning doing, doing the weekly shop for me and Steph. Doing the shots, one thing, mate. You marriage material, mate. You marry well, you're getting married, didn't you? So I hope you are marriage material. Otherwise, your missus is making a hell of a mistake, to be honest with you. She's um, making a mistake, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so my one bad is right. You know, when you go and buy like a pre packaged, whether it's mashed potatoes or you remember, I had a bit of red cabbage with the roast dinner yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the, the sleeve that you've got to tear off. Yeah. Why is it in 2022, can no company create one that just tears off in one fucking go. It either splits down the middle. Oh, it's a fucking shambles, mate. And to be honest with you, it happened to me yesterday with the cabbage. Some people are listening going, fucking hell, Calvin, you need to... Did you not make your own cabbage? Absolutely not. Did you see how much fucking effort is involved in making red cabbage? You've never done it, have you? You've never done it? I always buy... Well, Steph makes the cabbage, actually. She she makes roasts. She's very good. She's fantastic at making roast dinners. Good work. Um, yeah, I know what you mean there. Bacon's the same. Yeah, the, that's the, what I mean. Yeah, like, you end up just having to always go for a fucking knife, mate, and then knife it. Mince meat, same. When it says pill me here, fucking that's lies. Biggest fucking lie in modern society, mate, is p- the pill me here sign in the corner of prepackaged food. It's bollocks. I love how angry you are. Yeah, look, look, I'm, a, I'm getting to that middle-aged grumpy stage of my life, mate, and... Uh, yeah, it's little things like that. It's, they just get my goat every now and again. Do you know what you can do, Steve? What can it do? Get in the fucking bin. Fucking right. What's All yours? right, that's fair. That's fair. So, moving on, listener, uh, we're recording this. Hang on um, a minute. Hold up. What's your one bad? I've already said. Did you? Mm. What was it? I wasn't paying attention. Uh, the um, horrendous fixture pileup. Oh, was that your one bad as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I can't get to any games. Because I can't really get to... I can't get to... Well, I'm not... Wolves, I was going to go... But then I just can't be bothered because it's getting back to faff. And then Leicester is four thirty Sunday. Mm. Do I want to pay six similar faff in it to go and watch Leicester at home? And then Liverpool is category A midweek. Mm. So you're talking like 70, 80 quid probably just to watch them beat us. And then yeah, so it's a bit of a shit moment actually. And we haven't really got many away games, and I couldn't get a ticket for Watford. Yeah, because they this yeah they play in a shed. So yeah. So yeah, 
But that was my one bad, basically. All right, fair enough. Sorry, mate. Oh, but I mean, on, on the plus side, my wallet will probably appreciate it. I'm not going to games for a few weeks. And I do quite, you know, contrary to belief, I do quite enjoy um, the occasion, watching from home occasionally. It's nice, you know. Yeah, you've got to spend that quality time with the wife-to-be, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. it is a long day when you go. Yeah, tell me about Even it. Even for a three o'clock, you're out the house. Of, I was out the house for about 14 hours, 15 hours yeah. on Saturday. It's, it's a hell of a long day for, for 90 minutes of football. Yeah, no, um, I agree. But that. anyway, before you rudely interrupt me, I, I was explaining sorry, to sorry, the listeners sorry, sorry. that we're recording this on the 21st of February. And on this day in 2006, Arsenal famously beat... Real Madrid 1-0 One. Um, at the Santiago Bernabeu. I think, don't quote me on this, but we, weren't we the first English team to win there? Yeah. Well, if you didn't say it, I was going to. Yes, Fucking we were facts. the first English side. Spit in facts. Yeah, coming up with the facts. Come on, Steve. Um, I remember, apparently, the, the, on Sky Sports, it lists the attendance 80,000. Dead on. I don't believe that. Um, I remember watching this game it. on ITV. It was, it was, it was a shame because it was back in the days of like, You'd have the one on ITV and then the other one with Sky. And we mm. didn't have Sky when mm. I was growing up. So I couldn't watch the, the second leg. The near and draw. But anyway, that's by the by. Yeah. That is what it is. Can you name the 11? So I've got I've got the formation here. It's listed as a 4411. Well, that would sound about right, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, and look, just, just for context, um, not to brag too much, but I was at this game um, and it was a phenomenal game to be at it's up there it's probably one of my top two that and what the Chelsea FA Cup win it's only Ray Parler was was pretty good as well um, but yeah what a night it was uh, absolutely fantastic uh, and this was the era of the true Galacticos right we're talking you know Ronaldo Beckham Carlos Crikey, there's Rubinho was in there before he turned a bit odd. Uh, so yeah, they've got Beckham, Woodgate, Gravison. Oh, it's Gravison. <laughs> yeah, that was always a weird Cassius, one. Carlos, Dan, Ronaldo, Guti, Rubinho, Ramos. A one Julio Baptista as well. Yeah, he managed to come and join the Arsenal and smash four in Anfield. The only thing he really did, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So the Arsenal team that night, I, I remember it well. Um. It was a bitterly cold evening. It was Jens in goal. Jens in goal. We had a Bue at right back. And we had Colo Torre and Philip Senderos in centre-halves. And this was also the time when Flamini went on his wonderful run at left-back. Uh, so he slotted in at left-back. Yep. We had Jumberg and Kleb. Yep. Uh, Fabregas, Gilberto Silva. Yep. Uh, and it was Reyes and Henri. You know what? That you smashed that. Yeah, I feel I was like always... feel like you knew this was coming, and you maybe had a look, you had a cheeky little look earlier on. Definitely, nah. Look, this is look when there's certain games, Steve, that just stick in your head. Um, and it was an you know an unusual side, um, and it was such a monumentous night for Arsenal Football Club. I mean, let's be honest, it's probably one of our greatest results in our history. Unfortunately, it didn't amount to too much in in the in the grand scheme of things, but. You know, like you say, we were the first first English club to win there, um, which was huge. This was the time when Arsenal were breaking records every week. Uh, unfortunately, that's now Man City that seem to be doing that. Apologies if you can hear my dog giving out absolute shit in the background, but uh, that's just what he does. He's, he's not happy, he, you know, he's just giving out. He's a bit of a prick. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh. Well, you take that back. Whoa, fucking, that uh, back. don't be slagging he's off a, my dog, mate. He's a little prick. You're a prick. Fuck you. <laughs> fucking, let's end the podcast. Never insult a man's... 
beast. Oh, he's, not, he's hardly a beast, mate, is he? He's only a little westy for fuck's sake. He's just got big bollocks. Uh, he, um, but yeah, no, he's it was an easy one that because yeah, it was it was a fucking great evening. And look, Thierry Henry did what Thierry Henry did that night. Is one of, that's for me one of his best goals in Arsenal shirt. And I'm sure have you seen any of the clips of how he, how cold he was in in the, the the dying moments of that game, carrying the ball down the right wing. Just skipping over challenges. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was it was absolutely immense to be honest. With you. And shout out to anybody else who was who was there that night because it was great. It's crazy, really, when you look at the team. Um, yeah, you know, no no Sol Campbell, no Cole, no Lauren. We had some. We had a real injury crisis that season. A lot of yeah. key players out. Obviously, Kleb had just come into the team, but he was quite young at this point. Mm. Um, Nathan Vieira gone. So you sort of you know you lot you. you You've got you got Gilberto in there. Um, no Perez either. Mm. Um, yeah, pretty good. Perez, this is this was Perez last season, wasn't it? He sort of got didn't it was a bit of a weird one for Perez this year. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Ends in a little bit of a sour no. Um yeah. on, on the bench, um we had Perez was on the bench, Song, uh Diaby, Almunia, Walcott, Giroux, and Lupoli. Oh, what a, what a strange one that was, wasn't it? To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I think in, in football terms, like you always celebrate your victories, right? It's just that you know that's that's part and parcel of the game. But it's it's always a weird one, isn't it? When you look back and think, obviously, we we never went on to win it, and uh, it would always not necessarily sour it, but. It, it, a little bit it does for me that I mean look that's the most painful you know so, we're talking about one of the greatest nights for Arsenal Football Club and it was swiftly followed a few you know a month or two later by one of our most painful well probably no it was the most painful but look just just on the 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 the, part, the aspect of quizzes Steve and you love to quiz me I've got a little one for you today actually have you uh, yeah look at this look look how happy oh, you are about it as well you've kept that you've kept that quiet kept that yeah up this sleeve mate and there was a I've seen this going around today, and it was, have you, or were you aware that Emil Smith-Rowe, his goal on Saturday was Arsenal's 600th goal at the Emirates? No, I wasn't. So, I wanted to ask you, and this is this is going to make you, I mean, this is, a, this is a toughie, but who scored the 100th, 200th, 300th, 400th, and 500th goals <laughs> at the Emirates? And we'll start with obviously 100. Not a clue. That one is brilliant. I look at him. He's, 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 you know, the, we've all seen the meme of the, the lady with the maths equation in front of her face. That's Steve <laughs> right now. Gilberto scored our first goal, didn't he? At the end, right? He did indeed, yeah. He didn't score the first goal, did he? Was it Olaf Malberg? Yes. Yeah, we went 1 0 down. I was at that one goal. as well. So, um, yeah, you're right. Spot on. I mean, that was a. There was there was a preseason friend of there prior to that, but I guess that didn't count. It was yeah, first, first official goal, yeah, first official goal. Hundredth goal. Uh, goal, okay. I'm gonna mm. go. Um, I'm guessing it was probably 2008, maybe 2009, oh, yeah. maybe Adebayor. No, right letter, wrong player. I will help you out throughout this because this is a tough one. So it begins with an A, was it? Yeah. What year was it? I don't fucking know, mate. I'm not, 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 you know, I don't have all the ins and outs. I just got the answers. Um, I have no idea, mate. Everyone's favourite little Russian. Oh, Andrew Ashvin. Yep. Okay. Okay. Who scored the two hundredth? Giroud. No. Podolski. No. Van Persie. Yes. Okay. Robin Van Persie. Three hundred. 
Uh, Unique Giroud. one. No, Wil- bit odd. Walcott. Nope. Sanchez, probably a bit too early. A bit too early. Uh, well, back. Nope. Still plays for us at the elite level. Doesn't play for us. Never really quite cut it at our club, though, weirdly. Never Jack knew Wilshire. where he played. Couldn't figure out where he played. Still couldn't now, to be honest. Oh, the Ox. Yeah, the Ox. There you go. 400. You've already said him. <laughs> You've given no, up already. Give He's absolutely up. given up. I'll give you the answers. So, yeah, 400 was Theo Walcott. And the fifth hundredth goal was scored by everyone's favourite gooner, Granite Xhaka. Granite Xhaka. What are you going to think, Jenkinson, then? We the corporal. There you go. That's, that's something else. Something a bit different to get stuck into for you. I honestly thought like you were gonna that was gonna go on a lot longer. So thanks for putting me out of misery. Well, yeah, was, I, I could see was, you. That was a str- struggle. That was hard. Yeah, that was hard. I'll give you that. I mean, if you asked me that, I'd have been like, "You bastard." Um, but yeah, I thought you know it's interesting one. Uh, I'll tell you what, it is one for you. Well, hang on. Jesus, uh, just go. looking at some stats here. How many throw-ins have been recorded at the Emirates Stadium on the right side facing the clock end? Go and take a shit, will you? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's just ridiculous now. Now you're just getting pedantic, isn't you? How many pints of beer were sold at halftime on Saturday? If you Probably not many, stadium. due to my airline. Jesus. No, uh, well, if you were there, if it was a game where I wasn't with you, fucking lots, lots and lots, because he loves the beverages. But anyway, I guess, look, I guess, is it time to, to, time to knock it on? Yeah, it's yeah time, we've mate. been waffling on a bit too long here. But look, listeners, as always, we'd just like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. It's always better when we've got three points to discuss, as always. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. We greatly appreciate it. It helps with the ratings and helps us get that visibility. If you want to follow either of us on the social media platforms, you can do so. You can find Steve on both Twitter and Instagram at In The Clock End. Myself, you'll find me on Instagram at The Arsenal Shirt and on Twitter at underscore the arse underscore. And Liam, who hopefully, all being well, as we heard from this morning, should be back with us next week. He can be found on Twitter at Ronin Guna. Uh, but until then, please keep an eye on our social feed for the next podcast. Uh, and then obviously, until then, look after yourselves and look after each other. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.